We welcome you to healing stories about pivotal experiences, accepting treatment, redefining identity, where we create space for our guests to answer our compelling question, what does healing mean to you? Hey, my name is Amy Carey, and I am a mom, a podcaster, and a mental health advocate. I want to thank Eric and Tony for inviting me to talk about our experience with healing and mental health, as it has been quite a wild ride. I am <laughs> uh, a mom of a child who has struggled. Our journey has completely transformed all of our lives, my perspective on mental health, kids, and the whole conversation. When I realized that I wasn't alone in our experience, there was like this wave of relief that felt so cathartic, I just had to become a part of it. I wrote about our experience for about two years online, advocated in Congress with a group called NATSAP for Change and Awareness, and I speak to families in crisis all the time, and I'm talking like hundreds a year. I then began my own podcast to reach a broader audience as I am deeply passionate about changing the conversation around mental health. We should be talking about this. It isn't scary. It isn't shameful. It is life. And I bet more people have been touched by mental health than you would ever expect. And therein lies my mission. Ditch that stigma already, people. We are wasting time hiding instead of healing. (laughs) That should be a tagline. (laughs) So anyway, when Eric and Tony asked me the question, what does healing mean to you? I wanted to really be serious about it. And holy cow, I have agonized over this. So for starters, the technical definition is healing, to make sound or whole again. So healing implies that something has been broken, been damaged somehow and needs to be fixed. In our experience, there have been so many aspects to the idea of healing. First, our daughter needed healing, then our family, And ultimately, I think the world at large needs some too. So I'm going to take it back a little so you can have some background and see if any of this resonates with you. Our family and our daughter were like a nice but broken down car. We had some pretty sweet wheels, (laughs) maybe some gas left, but we definitely needed like a jump or a little reboot to our wiring to get us back on the right track. We all had so much potential together, but we had become really dysregulated and disrupted by our daughter's behaviors and their impact on all of us. I have three children. The oldest is Violet. She was always fierce, smart, super verbal, sparkly, funny, and independent. She was also irritable, tense, anxious, and combative. From infancy, Violet waged a war with depression and anxiety, and she was losing. The struggle with adolescent mental health is a real one just as real as with adults. It permeates every aspect of your life and strangles every inch of your body and brain. It is emotional, mental, and physical. Violet would have a hard time, and I would feel all of our family, friends, and strangers even looking at me thinking, why wouldn't that kid sit still in a restaurant? Why was she so loud, so abruptly? Why did she cause all these problems in the classroom? Why did it take 25 minutes for that mom to get her out of the house? Why couldn't that mom control her? Why wouldn't she just discipline her more? Well, because you can't discipline out mental illness, but that's another rant and I won't go on it right now. I always knew something was different about Violet. For one, she never existed in gradations of gray. 
She always lived in extremes. And the extremes made her stand out in a positive, but also a negative way. Her most incredible and unique characteristics would also become her demons. Violet's issues grew. We went from knowing she was difficult to feeling out of control in a pretty short period of time. Within this period, we tried what felt like everything. I mean, tons of therapists, tons of different kinds of therapies, nutrition, exercise, sleep analysis, EEGs, special schools, and finally and hesitantly, medication. Nothing was helping. In fact, she only seemed to be getting worse. Her self-esteem was depleting like water down a drain, and it was absolutely torturous to watch. I felt so alone. I felt like no one could understand what we were going through. It was wreaking havoc on every aspect of my life. My friends, my relationship with her, my other kids, my husband, myself. I remember the first time she was evaluated and my husband and I got the report and sat there reading her 11 diagnoses on the last page and I just cried. Each line item seemed to conflict with the one before and suddenly I felt such empathy, such sadness and guilt. I mean, I had been so frustrated with her and her behavior and I felt like I had failed her and that I could have done better. This was my first time understanding that this kid did not want to be bad. She was just trapped in this chaotic wiring in her brain, and it was preventing her from making sense of anything. With her mind so noisy, how could she ever be expected to be calm, be still, or react positively to anything when she couldn't escape herself? We watched our once confident daughter become consumed by her issues. The world reacted with such anger toward her behavior that she began to loathe herself just as she felt the world loathed her. It was extremely challenging to witness. Violet's issues were like this dark curtain being pulled over a bright light. Watching your daughter, who at the time was eight or nine years old, losing herself to her own struggle was extremely painful. Living the decline with Violet was so difficult because it blinded me from any larger picture. I was in pure survival mode, living moment to moment, walking on eggshells, unsure of what terrible thing would happen next. There was so much destruction caused during this period that our daughter needed healing most of all. But concurrently, as I scrambled to try and keep our family together, the collateral damage was just beyond significant. My marriage suffered. My other children were constantly receding into the background as Violet took center stage every single moment. She compromised her relationship with her siblings, who just couldn't possibly trust her when she was so volatile. And I felt like an empty hole of despair because I was completely inept in my attempts to help her. I mean, have you ever seen a child, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, who just could not control how awful they felt inside? It's just heart-wrenching. I remember one day I was cleaning out her closet while she was at school, and I found this shoebox buried in the corner. I lifted the lid to find tons of folded pieces of paper, like 50 torn shreds. As I opened up the first folded piece, a lump in my throat constricted like a knot. It said, you hate me. And another, you hate me. And another, and another. This little kid's scrawl was covered with tears as if the words were crying. Ugh. <laughs> I was so haunted by this and so unable to comprehend what it was. 
How could she feel this way? I was a very warm mom. I was always loving, hugging, and praising her all the time. And how desperate for her to have written it down like this and hidden it from me. I just sat on her bed and cried. I realized then her acting out was in complete parallel with her lack of self-worth. She was only nine years old. When Violet was 10, she had this one meltdown one afternoon after school, and it was in front of the kids, the babysitter, and me. It was so disruptive and scary, I forcibly moved her into my bedroom, and she held my arms and screamed in my face, Mommy, help me! My problems have gotten so big, and I can't control them anymore. Help me! Help me! Ugh. The feeling of powerlessness while you watch your child struggle for their own self-love is the most profound suffering I have endured. Desperation struck. It was like the man stuck in the avalanche who chews his arm off. I would have done anything just to know she could have some help and hope. Violet left our home when she had just turned 11 for an alternative treatment program. It was the most difficult decision and milestone of my life thus far. She went to a wilderness therapy program. Leaving her there was the hardest thing I have ever done. She was my first baby, and she was there for three months, and we couldn't see or speak to her, which was more torture. In those months, I met parents of teenagers who had just started to deal with their issues, and many had already been sucked into self-medicating, whichever form of my ultimate fears it took. Self-harm, drugs, promiscuity, rebellion, suicide. Violet had just turned 11. This was the first time I felt like one of the lucky ones. She graduated from wilderness, and she was confident, self-sufficient, and calm. But what did this really mean for the real world and all of its triggers? I missed her desperately. She really had learned a lot of tools to manage her anxiety and self-regulate. However, it was in the complete disconnection of the woods. Even with all that she had accomplished, she had not any real time to apply her new strengths in the real world. How could we possibly throw her to the wolves without any practice? She needed longer to assimilate. She needed to be in a place where she was supported, reinforced, incentivized, and surrounded by peers. She needed to break her brain cycle of misinterpretation, self-loathing, and reacting. She needed to become emotionally intelligent. She needed to really internalize self-regulation. So there she went to a boarding school, a therapeutic boarding school, and it was not easy ups and downs, major bumps in the road, valleys of upset rivaled by mountains of hope, ridiculous work and growth for all of us. Sacrificing proximity to your child at such a young age does not feel natural. It is gut-wrenching. There were lots of visits, goodbyes, and tears. Breaking patterns of behavior is just as difficult as kicking drugs. Not only are the compulsions the same, but both stem from the same impetus in most cases, lack of self-esteem. Violet was addicted to the dysfunction. If you're attempting such deep change, you must look at addiction in all its forms to fully comprehend the weight of the task. Because it's so connected, here are some stats that will sicken you. 67% of drug addicts also suffer from depression. After a short-term rehab, 28 to 30 days, 90% of addicts will relapse. 61% of those addicts will relapse again within a year. An addict who has been clean for five years decreases his relapse rate to only 40%. 
I mean, this is crazy. So let's put this into violet terms. Substances aside, she suffered from these mental health ailments. She basically went to a short-term rehab, wilderness, which was not 30 but 90 days. The potential relapse has to be similar. So off she went to boarding school. At month 11, (laughs) that's right, 11, what felt like a torture chamber of fluctuating highs and lows took a turn. We had our first successful visit. This meant our whole family together for a long weekend without any major freakouts. I watched our daughter. She wasn't a different person. She would still feel the rise of the upset, but she took her space without me asking her to. She journaled. She breathed. She came back to us and was genuinely ready to be functional and healthy. She was polite, kind, engaged. She was sweet to her siblings. She was expressive in an appropriate way. She didn't triangulate my husband and me and came to each one of us with her issues. She was easy. She was calm. She was confident. She was all the good parts of her. After two years of intense therapy and familial healing, Violet graduated from her therapeutic boarding school. We all went to celebrate her. She and I both gave speeches, and while Violet had been healing herself, she'd also healed our family. I was so blown away by her growth and effort, accountability, and perseverance. In her speech, she made mention of her siblings and thanked them for being so wonderful and being willing to give her a second chance. (laughs) That killed me, too. Our lives were changing before my eyes. I was getting my daughter back. Our family was healing. There were no words to express my deep, belly-aching joy. The times without Violet in our home allowed my other children, my marriage, and my own sense of self to heal as well. The blossoming of my younger two kids was pretty groundbreaking for me. The quiet I was afforded, the time I was able to reflect and devote to self-care, the engagement without distractions with my husband, all were such incredible gifts in the spirit of healing. Violet left for her new mainstream school with a new evaluation. She had gone from 11 diagnoses to only two, major anxiety disorder and a specialized disorder in math. And I can't even stand that word disorder. Why do they use it? However, nothing could be more moving than seeing that your child now had a future with hope in it. When I read the definition of healing and the phrase to make sound, it makes me think of strength. As if whatever the damage is, it has somehow compromised strength and maybe some new muscles are needed to get back to health again. We have all found our deepest strengths enduring this experience. When asked the healing question, another thing that popped into my head was nurture, love, and caring. I'm really not sure you can heal from anything without it. A warm hug, a comforting blanket, encouraging words, a held hand, a friend. Repair, amends, strength, nurture, love, and hopefully success. I think that's healing to me. Now, the car was back up and running. Not without its random quirky noises, squeaks, and bumps in the road, but it was running and in a positive direction. We'd all been rerouted, and we were all finding our way back home and creating the home we all wanted to exist in. The last important piece of healing to me is for the world at large. There is such power in giving words to this conversation and the bravery it takes to be open and actually have it. I spoke to this group of about 50 parents maybe like a year ago, and I asked the question, can anyone in this room say they have never been touched by sadness or anxiety? Not one hand was raised. 
We need to keep talking about this openly so more people have the opportunity to heal. So much of the healing is about getting rid of this self-persecution around the shame that something might make you different. Different is beautiful. Different is diversity. It has made me learn the most about myself, my family, my own childhood, humanity. I would never want to live in a world of total homogeneity. I look around and I see people and not one is the same and I love life for that gift. We are still in the midst of our healing and I'm not sure that it will ever end. And I think that's okay. I'm embracing the fear of the unknown, the strength it takes to face ourselves and potential setbacks, and the faith that things can get better because nothing is permanent. Things truly can get better. We just have to decide to make it happen and have the fortitude to fight for it. To everyone at Healing Stories and Revealing Voices, I so applaud your effort and thank you. Thank you for letting me share our story. And if anyone wants more intimate details, you can listen to A Girl I Know on iTunes. Thank you all for listening. You are truly not alone. Our stories reveal ourselves. Stories connect us to God, to others, and to the world around us. When our spirits become disconnected, stories can bring healing. God heals through stories.